Hello, Rev Divers. Welcome back. We've been gone for a little bit this time. We've been dealing with a lot of policy stuff, haven't we, Kim? Oh my gosh, there's been so many policies that have been updated. <laughs> oh, I know. Final rule coding updates. We've got all kinds of crazy great stuff coming to you guys in this next season of RevDive. And we're starting things off with Eric Demers. He is the CEO at Mattiket, and we are super excited to talk to him today, you guys. Um, he is very innovative. He is a visionary in this space. And we're really hoping to talk about automation and some really cool things we can do there. So Eric, thank you so much for being on the show. Happy to be here. Looking forward to having a discussion. Oh, so were we. And, you know, I, I wanted to really kind of kick things off high level. But before we get there, could you tell us a little bit about Maticate Health and what, what you guys are doing? Yeah, happy to. Yeah, so Maticate, we've been around in business for about seven years now. Um, the, really, the reason we started the company was looking at just candidly administrative waste and challenges in the healthcare industry. Uh, I've been in that space my whole life. And obviously, I'm always trying to find ways to improve, make the industry a little bit better. Um, and when we look at the opportunities in the industry, you know, we focus on more of the provider data side of the business and all of the business and administrative functions that they have to do both internally and externally in order to just kind of be in business. And a lot of that is really rooted in a lot of manual and service labor, which from our perspective does, is somewhat unnecessary. So our whole goal has been in order to put automation in place to help relieve the stress on those organizations, um, make it more efficient and more effective for them going forward. And that's really what our goal is, our mission is at Mackett. So let's kick things off and let's talk a little bit about the intersection of technology and healthcare management. Um, you know, there's sometimes that Kim and I go into organizations and um, they're still in paper charts. Or we have a kind of the pendulum swing. We have organizations we go to that say, yeah, we have four different EHRs and we've got five practice management systems. And then we've got two places where we do our credentialing software. And, you know, there's, we've got to find a balance, right? Where do you kind of see that intersection of technology and healthcare management? Yeah, you know, so I've always been a firm believer at being in tech a long time that technology is an enablement. Um, it's not necessarily supposed to be just the process itself. Right. So from a organizational perspective, a lot of what we focus on is you know, how do we meet the end user where they are and where they're comfortable? And I think that's the biggest opportunity that we look at when we go into organizations. Um, we see everything you just mentioned, right? We lots of times we walk in and we're helping them move from a truly manual paper based process to automation. And that is a it's a, it's a different style, different everything for them. Uh, but allows them to scale, right? And something they can do without adding more people and actually get more throughput. So it's an exciting opportunity for them, but stressful for a lot of organizations to do, make that journey. And then we go to other organizations where they have, uh, they're much larger, probably enterprise. Maybe they've acquired additional practices or businesses over time. And in typical fashion, they didn't replace anything. So they're running a lot of disparate products, services, uh, and systems all in the same uh, organization. And it's an opportunity to really streamline those, right? How do you move them all to one platform, make it more simplistic, give a holistic view of the organization? Um, so I think when we look at you know technology and and kind of an intersection point, it's really understanding what your client needs in order for them to take that step forward. Oh my gosh! So you know that really resonates with with us when we talk about client needs, right? Um, there are every every organization is unique and their workflows are unique. Their 
geographic location is unique. Their patient population is unique. Their staff needs are unique, right? And looking at automation, there are pros and cons to automation. I mean, there's, especially when it comes to provider data management, right? Um, there are some processes that are manual that we might want to keep manual, right? But then there are other processes, you know, when, when they are not automated, it inhibits the staff experience, the work, you know, your workforce experience. Um, it, mm-hmm. it definitely reduces efficiencies. Um, so from your perspective, what are the kind of pros and cons of automation of uh, provider data management? Yeah, there's definitely a bit of both. I would say there's definitely a lot more pros than cons in today's world, but uh, there's definitely a little bit of both depending on the organization and how they manage their internal logistics. Sometimes there are, excuse me, there are opportunities where it's more effective or just um, it's not a need to maybe overcomplicate a process with technology, right? And I think that's, we have to understand what some of those things are. Within an organization, you want to make sure you don't make someone's life more difficult by moving them to something that might be unnecessary. On the flip side, <clears throat> there are opportunities and where um, you have obligations um, in order to provide information, especially with a lot of external organizations, whether it be uh, mostly in this case is the insurance companies. It could be CMS related stuff. It could be compliance related information. And then you have to interact with these organizations. And that piece tends to be a real heavy burden on the staff, especially if they're doing it in a manual fashion. As an example, right, one of the things when we built out the platform, an average physician works with 20 to 25 different health plans. So if you're going to be in business in in a certain state and you're going to um, provide um, services to a set of uh, your patients, your panels, and you want to move through those um, enrollment processes with all the payers and your credentialing and everything else, the amount of effort it takes for uh, an administrator or an individual in the organization to go to every single payer, provide the same information or an additional piece of information, um, work that process forward, it's extremely laborious, it's extremely redundant. And this is where we think the technology makes a huge difference, right? So. If you're managing your provider population in a centralized um, you know, platform where you can all the relevant information about that physician is there or your group of physicians, then you and the administrator can go in and they can, in the way the system is organized, you can see all the different payers that you want to interact with, literally check the box, all the different things you want to do. Let the system do the heavy lifting. Let them use its technology and its smarts and its AI to understand what it needs to be delivered to who, where, what, you know, the right time and place. If there's something missing, make sure it's uh, added before it's sent off because those are the things that really create a lengthy process. And when that happens, um, you know, it inhibits uh, really the ability for the practice to um, see patients, right? And, you know, one of two things happens, either they're enrolling or being in business to see patients for the first time as a practice, or maybe it's a new location or et cetera, or they're, they're extending or re-enrolling their contract is expired. And if they miss those deadlines, um, most insurance companies require you to kind of restart the, the process. So now you're talking about potentially months of time in order to go through that process. And every day that you lose, I think there's a lot of um, data out there in the market on an average day, that equates about $10,000 in lost patient revenue for the practice, right? So it adds up pretty quick, right? So you, 
you want to be able to make sure that you're tracking it efficiently, removing some of that stress from the organization, um, and then be able to enable that going forward. So, you know, you, you brought up some really excellent points and, you know, thinking about the pros and cons of automation, it, you know, one of the, the pros is um, security and privacy, right? And just kind of thinking about your past experiences, could you maybe shed some light on, um, you know, a, an opportunity that automation um, lended to improved security? Yeah, there's a lot of good examples there. Um, because of just by back my own background, I <clears throat> before Maticit and some places before that, I spent a lot of time in the interoperability and data management space. So I spent a lot of time working around security and patient data and sharing that, right? So there's a lot of different angles there. But from this perspective, right, you know, most organizations that are still largely manual or paper-based, their information is somewhat scattered, right? So you have a, a combination of files on desks or in drawers in multiple locations. You have some information on laptops, uh, desktops, <clears throat> and then you have some information that might be sitting in a, in a cloud somewhere. And what we tend to find is it's not treated with the same level of um, heightened security that, say, patient information is, right? And what happens then is it tends to be attached accidentally with other things that go out the door. Um, we see it all the time. You know, they'll send us data files on something, and there's some information there that shouldn't be there, right? Um, so we want to make sure that 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 opportunity removes itself by using the system or a system, any system where the information is contained, there's real security protocols in place and you're securely moving that information from wherever it needs to go from your organization to the other. So I think that those are some of the examples there. Absolutely. And, you know, I think you mentioned something else when you were talking and, um, and I, I smiled a little bit when you said it, you said, um, you know, if they're failing to get their credentialing done on time, there are chances that they're going to miss those deadlines and then they're going to have to refile and then they can't see the patient. And what the reason I smiled is because most cases, those providers are going to continue to see the patient anyway. True. Um, and so then what happens is this significant challenge to the revenue cycle, right? Mm -hmm. Because we're, we're not able to collect like we think we ought to be able to collect. And sometimes even identifying that that issue has occurred is a big challenge. And then we're also creating this huge amount of patient abrasion because, right, that we've, we've seen the patient now and we're sending them maybe 90 days later a large bill and say, hey, you know, we talked to your insurance and we tried to appeal it for you, but um, they're not going to pay it. And then the patient's like, well, I called my insurance and they said, you're not an eligible provider. Why didn't you tell me that before I was seen, right? So it causes kind of all these yeah. trickle down issues. So when we're talking about using automation to, to sort of remove some of these hurdles, you know, that seems like a small component, but it really can have big implications, right? It can have huge implications. And to your point, most <clears throat> providers are not going to you know, suspend service because most will assume that it's a short delay. Right. And that's always the miss, the misstep. Right. We'll say it that way. It's not often a short delay. And what happens is they're holding their charges or they're holding their claims, submissions, thinking, okay, a week or two later, I'll drop them. We're all good. Right. <clears throat> and then it's two or three months later and they haven't mm -hmm. been able to get them out the door. And now all the things you just mentioned mm -hmm. are starting to pop up. And then now there's a, there's a lot of abrasion between all three entities, the, the patient, the insurance company and then the physician who provided the service saying, Hey, you know, 
I should be able to be reimbursed for this. You shouldn't be charging the patient. You end up in a, a very lengthy round and round discussion at that point. Oh, yeah. And I mean, and then you're trying to get retroactive claims payment, mm -hmm. which not all payers are, are even going to do to begin with, Correct. you know, um, that that in and of itself is a challenge. So mm -hmm. I guess, you know, thinking of things like that, that can cause all these big pain points, what are kind of some of your top tips for reducing administrative burden through the use of technological automation? Because to your earlier point, it's so easy to actually overcomplicate a process mm -hmm. with automation, right? And, and even just like patient chart alerts is a great example of, you know, taking technology and using it in a way that now it's a detriment. So what are kind of some of your top tips for, for how we can implement automation? So I think there's a couple of key things here, but I think um, taking, moving your disparate information, especially if it's largely paper-based or in random files, into a centralized location, right? Get into a central store of data so you can be able to track it, see it across your organization. Everyone sees the same information. If it gets updated, it gets updated once. Not, not sure which location we updated and which one we didn't, right? Make it more simplistic. One, that'll help you have much more cleaner, better, useful information. From that step forward, it makes a lot of other things more simplistic, right? So I don't, I, if I want to provide a roster, a provider roster to CMS or to one of my payers, I can go from there. If I update that roster once, it's already there until I update something else. I don't have to worry about all the other locations. And it starts to minimize the amount of extra work that has to go on going forward. And then over time, it just gets the iterations on that, make it more simplistic better data to the point where the system, depending on the system you're using, can largely manage that information to a point without a whole lot of user intervention. And it will also at that point remind you if there's an event coming up, you know, your, your contract with a particular payer in your state is gonna expire in 90 days. And it's gonna expire in 60 days. And it's gonna expire in 30 days, right? So it's telling you over and over again, hey, we gotta get on this. Uh, so you don't reach that point where we just talked about where you fall out of compliance and it becomes a bigger challenge. Great advice. Oh my gosh. Thanks so much for that. Um, you know, turning our attention to resource sharing with our audience, um, Taya and I, as Taya mentioned, we've kind of been on a little hiatus um, reading the Federal Register, getting updated on the you know CPT changes for 2023, ICD changes for 2023, um, other policies that are impacting healthcare organizations. Um, we like to uh, you know kind of turn to certain resources, right? And um, we we both love to read. We're you know we co-authored a revenue cycle management book, um, and and we absolutely love to read. We make sure that we block time in our schedules to do that. Um, we love and to we hear read people. fun things too. Okay? We do. Yeah, yes. we're not Absolutely. just these lame old policy wonks. I mean, we are, but we also read fun stuff too. Okay. Well, hopefully, you're reading something more exciting than the Federal Register. Hey, the Federal Register is super exciting to me. <laughs> but yeah, we do. We do. But but thinking about you know where you go to get information. Um, could you share, you know, some of the the places that you turn to to get information? But then also, because we are we we love to read, could you share maybe your favorite book with our audience as well? Sure. Yeah. From you know, I'm kind of a sponge when it comes to information. I 
there's not really one place that I turn to all the time. I love to go to, you know, different um, domains within healthcare that I know are tried and true and push a lot of information forward. We've all been to a lot of those before. And I, and I intentionally move around to see what different viewpoints are there so I can kind of formulate my own thoughts on the information that's being put out in the market. Uh, and sometimes I provide my commentary on that and to that, to the, to the market. And I, and I think that's something we all do right collectively because we've been around the market for a long time and we have a lot of information. We should be able to share that information and make, you know, add some value to the, to others. But for myself, you know, like removing myself kind of from the, maybe the healthcare space for a second, you know, I'm, as a leader of a business, I'm always trying to understand how we can be better at our business, how I can be better at my business. So I've kind of gravitated over time towards, you know, um, a few books by Chris Voss. I really like, you know, or the, you know, like the negotiation side, our negotiation, but really the one I've always keep on my desk is never split the difference by Chris Voss and really talking about, you know, how to, to um, you know, how to make sure you're putting you and your business and your organization in the best spot possible. And also make sure that the whoever you're dealing with um, feels as though they've won or had a successful um, encounter with you as well, right? So there's a lot of cool tips in there. There's a good way to to uh, engage both internally your organization and externally with with clients and others out there. So I recommend if you haven't seen it, check out Never Split the Difference. I don't think I have read that one yet, so it's going on my list. Yeah, he Chris Boss was uh, one of the most senior. Um, negotiator at the CIA for a long time. Wow. I will check it out. I'll tell you one of my favorite books for, for team collaboration is the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy. That's a good one. Yeah. I don't know if you've yeah. ever read it, but I mean, that is all about what happens when you have a lack of communication and transparency. <laughs> <laughs> they go into language barriers. There's all kinds of great stuff in there. Yeah. It's fantasy, but great one. Great one. But I'll check that yeah. out. Never split the difference. Yeah. yeah. I think, you know, what you what you said about making sure that each encounter um, is a successful one for for both parties, um, that kind of ties back to automation. Right. So it's really all about how we implement automation. Um, the, the last thing that we want to do is bottleneck a, a you know, healthcare providers workflow with automation. So we really want to make sure that we're implementing it in a, in a sensible way that's sustainable for the organization that in, you know increases the quality of care and then overall you know make sure that our workforce is happy and our workforce includes our providers so um eric it's been a pleasure thank you so much for for being with us and um you know we love to uh make sure that our audience we we you know lovingly call them rev divers that they get access to uh incredible thought leaders like yourself um uh, you know, we have a lot of uh, really good good content that's coming up. Um, so until we meet again, um, Rev Divers, keep diving into those Rev Cycles.